Welcome to the So Powerful Podcast. This is your host, Jan Cancilla. You know the sound of my sewing machine means it's time for another episode. So let's get started. Today we're continuing our conversation with Jason and Cinnamon Miles, co-founder of the So Powerful Charity. Last week, you'll recall, Jason and Cinnamon took us through how the charity was founded and their encounters in the Nambe compound in Lusaka, Zambia. Um, we had started to, to talk a little bit about the purses that the donors uh, make and, and send to Zambia, but there's a lot of questions of, about, about those purses and why, why that was the vehicle. Um, first of all, um, can you talk a little bit about the, the menstrual health program there and what, why are we doing reusable? The rest of the world is all using disposable products. Yeah, sure. You want to tag team this or you sure. want to? You want me to start? Go ahead. Yeah. Um, well, I think um, to start with, when you go through Nome Bay Compound, uh, the first thing you notice is uh, it's very desperate, very rough. Uh, there is no garbage collection like you would see in your traditional neighborhood where the garbage people come collect up your you know, garbage. There's big ditches and just piles of garbage that fill up these ditches. So when you go through there, and I think on one of our first trips, we were thinking about even disposable or or as with babies you know having diapers and you look at this garbage situation and you just realize like even if we could f get that product donated it is that would just cause a different huge problem there you know there's no way to get rid of that so um much less the ongoing cost if there's cost involved because um, they do have disposable product in zambia it is in the grocery stores um you know it, people are aware of it. But again, when you're, I think it's that desperate of a mm -hmm. situation and you're living on a couple yeah. dollars a day or whatever the actual amount is, um, something like that is just, is unaffordable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and um, the, the affordability issue is, is a reality and the ecological impact is a reality. These homes don't have uh, running, uh, they don't have a sewage system in Nome Bay compound. Mm -hmm. They have, uh, you know, pit latrines, uh, outhouses, uh, behind their houses and then yeah they have big ravines that garbage flows into or that kind of thing and um and so i those those issues lead to the question of reusable versus disposable mm -hmm. and then the price issue is just a, a reality these these are children just as context i mean these these are families that might live on 40 to 80 dollars a month and a bottle of ketchup in Zambia costs, uh, you know, three, four dollars. So it's not as if, you know, it's like everything's super cheap there. <laughs> doesn't work that way. They just survive on almost nothing. So many of the children, I mean, you know, a lot of people would say, well, I thought that government schools were free. Well, they're technically free, but you have to have a uniform to show up and they, you have to have books. And mm -hmm. there are micro expenses that would be relatively meaningless to a middle-class wage earner, but to an extremely poor household, make it an impossibility. And that extends to issues related to, you know, menstrual hygiene management. And so for that reason, then the reusable uh, product is, is certainly the, the option mm -hmm. that makes logical sense. Um, it's readily made there by the seamstresses mm -hmm. and it's reusable of course so it can be literally gifted and then uh, uh, 
creates the opportunity for menstrual hygiene management for, um, you know, years, a couple years. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's the thinking behind uh, the question, but it's a big debate. You know, the Gates Foundation has funded programs that are disposable based program work. Mm -hmm. So it's not, it's, it's not as if it's a foregone conclusion, it should work one way or the other, but it is our conviction that it's the right solution. A, a reusable product is the right solution. Well, there, there are some charities in, particularly in the U.S., that make the reusable uh, pads and then send them to various countries in Africa. Yeah. What's your point of view on that? Yeah, and it's a great question. So obviously, we we're not too far away from uh, Days for Girls. They're up in Bellingham, Washington. We heard about their program work, and and I think it's fair to say it's completely fair to say that their founder Celeste it really pioneered the messaging and the um, presentation of this issue mm -hmm. widely. I mean, I, I think you really should say that she's, she's um, somebody who made this a well-known issue through their work. Their model is to have seamstresses around the world make the reusable pad product. Our situation that we found ourselves in was we had a thriving community of seamstresses in Zambia. Mm -hmm. And we had the conviction that they wanted, we, we had hoped, and they love this idea, they, they're passionate about this idea as well as we are, that they need to be making uh, purposeful products that benefit or bless their community. And so we didn't really have the question as to whether those pads should be made by Western seamstresses. That was never an, a question for us. Um, the question for us was how can Western seamstresses um, come alongside, mm -hmm. partner in a meaningful way, celebrate what's happening together, raise awareness about it, learn what's happening and contribute meaningfully, but not do the work mm -hmm. for the Zambian seamstresses. And so um, what we found in our model is a nice balance where Western seamstresses have a huge stash of fabric. And a lot of times it's little scraps, you know, you got your just little uh, odds and ends pieces. And, um, and in Zambia, they can get quantity and yardage uh, of fabric, you know, large, large, yardage for, uh, you know, a lot of repetitious sewing. So the reusable pad product made perfect sense for that uh, situation. And the delivery device, the purse was, I guess you could say, sort of our innovative, creative idea. And we put them together and it's clearly, it's clearly worked where the end product that the girl receives is a beautiful, really life-changing gift of a purse. And inside it's got reusable product, feminine hygiene pad that's made there locally and the moms there are paid for that. And soap that's also made locally and the moms are paid to make that as well. And so it's creating this local impact with jobs mm -hmm. as well as with the actual, you know, uh, product that's given to the girls. Um, so that's kind of the model. That's how, how it works. Yeah. I have a little, I could just add, you know, on the product itself, um, the girls, uh, they're, will have different versions of what they were trying to do, trying to use that was reusable, that was basically just strips of fabric, or in some cases, I think people have said leaves or whatever. But um, this product in and of itself is an, like an innovation for them. Um, when we went through the first round of sewing with the seamstresses and they were sewing all day, trying to make these um, like shields with the wings that would wrap around and Velcro or snap on the underside of the underwear. And I knew what it was and we had told them what to make. And then we realized they weren't lining up the snaps and the Velcro, right. 
and, and went through a demonstration after I said to Esther, you know, do they understand what this is? And she's like, I'm not sure. I don't even know if Esther understood. They knew what it was supposed to be used for. They didn't know how it worked. Yeah. So we, I think we had underwear already sourced. And so we, you know, we demoed it for them and they just went up, you know, cheering and the idea of what it was and how much better that was than what they were trying to do, how much it, like freed them up to be able to still go to work or go to school, um, you know, was, was a huge deal. And so I think when we're asked like in the booth or at the sewing shows, like why reusable and um, you know, it, it's been tested there. It works there really well for their current situation and they're excited and happy to use it. It's not like a a handout that's just kind of like, Oh gosh, okay, thanks. You know, like it's actually, um, way better than what they were doing and and they're happy with that product there so culturally can I just mention oh go on <laughs> I mentioned, can i just mention two more bits on this when we first went there to do the first purse distribution in that story where the seamstresses were making the first set of pads of course their first question is we need this can we have <laughs> so we said yes you were the first recipients of, of the first you know uh pads sets that and uh, so they were thrilled and then but esther the program uh, director said, you know, the problem is that these girls don't have underwear. Like she said, maybe one pair. And we were like, what now? And uh, so, and then subsequent classes, she's done this for years now with us. She'll, for the new training in the classes with the girls, she'll ask them, how many of you have five pairs of underwear or more? Like two girls raise their hand. How many of you have, you know, four pair and then a few girls raise their hand and then three pair, two pair. So they just, they maybe have maybe two pair, you know, um, so we were like, wow, what do we do? And so, um, so we did the math, we figured out material wise, what was the smartest thing, simplest thing, smartest thing is just purchase the underwear, uh, locally and have two pair of underwear included in the purse. And so that was our, that was our, you know, additional piece there. And then, um, she said, you know, the other challenge is soap. They don't have soap. And uh, so that was why we started the soap work. Originally, we were buying soap in Zambia, and then there was a miracle that happened, where oh, we now miracle. Well, okay, okay. So, so, so I'll finish the the contents of the purse. So that, and then we'll tell the soap miracle. Um, so then, um, the other thing that she said though was, um, you know, the moms or the older sisters are just going to take these purses because in any household setting, like if the mom needs to earn money for the household, that's the priority. She's going to need to use this stuff. You know, not going to let the sixth grade girl use it. Um, And so we were like, wow, that's depressing. But, um, but it makes sense. And so what we proposed was that the girls would each receive two purses, one for themselves and one for their mom, auntie, older sister, um, and or whatever, you know, whoever in the household. And then, then the girls would also be told if, if women in the household need more pads, come to the sewing cooperative and they'll, they'll help them get the pads. I mean, they'll, they'll basically, you know, sort it out. And so that's the model we went with and it, and it has worked really well. Um, the, the soap story is pretty cool. So we were buying these bars. Of, well, well, Esther told us at about four o'clock in the afternoon that we were there. We need 500 bars of soap. <laughs> so, by, by the next day by yeah. 9 a.m the next morning <laughs> so um so we went back to the hotel and um, the hotel is not too far from a little store uh, a shopping store shop right and so um so we walked over there uh for dinner that area and we went into the store and i was just looking at the soap aisle it's a big grocery store 
And I was looking because all the soap is different than the U.S. type labeling and stuff like that. And I was trying to find like multi-purpose soap, you know, like for clothes washing and stuff. And then I noticed there was a guy with a nice polo shirt on, like a bright, like blue polo shirt. And he had a big push cart. And um, he kind of looked over at me and he said, can I help you find anything? Um, I said, yeah, I'm looking for multi-purpose soap, like for washing clothes. And he said, oh, you want this one here? And picked it. And I could tell on the aisle there was, uh, or on the on the shelf, there was maybe a 10 or so bars. And he, uh, I said, are you the store manager? Or uh, he said, no, I'm the regional Unilever rep. And I stock the shelves here. And I was like, Unilever, the giant soap company? <laughs> he was like, yeah. So um, I said, uh, so if I needed like 500 bars of this soap by tomorrow morning at 9 a.m., could you actually get it for me? And he was like, really? <laughs> yeah. And he said, uh, yeah, I could actually do that. So very nice guy. And um, between him and the store manager, they worked it out. He got it obviously from their warehouse. And the next morning at 8 a.m., it was there. And I, so it was 59 cents a bar. And so for the first couple of years, we just bought the soap. And, um, but in um, 2017, we were there on a trip. We go every summer and um, we were doing home visits and we were um, interviewing the girls and we were doing, uh, a, there was a graduate student with us who was doing a thesis uh, work on, on the program. And so she was doing interviews and, um, and the, the girls said what was the obvious fact, which is they got a bar of soap. They used it when they needed it for the, you know, menstrual hygiene pads. And then the soap was gone. <laughs> and uh, so although the pads were designed to last for a long time, the soap was just, you know, how it is. This bar of soap might last for a week or whatever if you're using it every day. I mean, less than that. And I think at that point, that's 2017, I mean, we were up to like collecting something 6, like 6,000 purses. purses. So we were already needing 6,000 bars of soap. You know? And then money. we're thinking every month, they need soap every month. And, you know, how in the world can we yeah. like, you know, accommodate that? So I was stewing on that and it, the home visits are just challenging anyway. In some ways, they're very, very tragic. Like it's Greek tragedy after Greek tragedy sometimes to do home visits. But, um, but nonetheless, I was m just meditating on this and I got in the car after one of the visits and I said to Esther, we have to find a soap solution. This just isn't sufficient, you know? So we go to the hotel that evening we go down the next morning and someone on our team says, Jason, there's a lady here who knows you from uh, United States. And um, I went over and, and it was this nice lady, Luz Maria, and she works at World Vision, which I worked at for 16 years. So I, kn I knew her. And I said, Luz Maria, what are you doing here? And she's like, oh, I just got here from, I think it was Kenya. And she said, I'm here to visit with Esther. And I was like, Esther McCandewire, like our program uh, person. She's like, yeah, yeah. She, she said, I, I have a soap <laughs> making idea. I want to talk to her about an, an opportunity. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and she said, well, here's the situation. We have a very, very large donor in the U.S. that gives us that prop they are a manufacturer of soap for many brands. They're like the behind the scenes maker of the soap bars for the industry. And um, she said they have this a product that falls off the assembly line, which they call noodles, which is just shards of soap, little pieces, you know, broken pieces, stuff like that. And she said they have it in these, what's it called a Gaylord, a four by four uh, pallet sized giant, you know, bag. Like all day long, these things are just being created. And she said, we have literally access to just as much as you can imagine. 
And I said, well, I could imagine quite a bit. <laughs> and uh, so she said, you can, she said, Esther could boil it down and reshape it and then sell it. And she, she said, I don't care if they sell it. Or she said, if they just bag it up as just the shards, they can just give it away. And I said, oh, it's on, man. It is on. Like, how soon can this happen? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I, I literally said, how soon could you have it here? She said, it's already here. I already <laughs> have it in the warehouse in Zambia. That's why I'm here to talk to her. We need to, to you know, pilot a program. So we envisioned together a soap cooperative. We already had the sewing team together. And then we envisioned a soap team. And the nice part about it was the, the soap team, I guess you could say it's a little bit more entry level work than sewing. Mm -hmm. And um, although neither of them require literacy, which is really, really nice because many of the moms are not uh, literate. And so they can be trained on these things, but the soap, team gave us another on-ramp to what you might call a, a more challenging, uh, you know, situation where people who have less skills even uh, need opportunity. Mm -hmm. And and so it started to come together. We created the SOAP team. I, we funded initially and it has just taken off. And just to fast forward to the, to the current moment, mm -hmm. when COVID-19 hit and people said, what's the remedy? What's the you know, what, what, what do you do? I said, we wash your hands like, you know, a lot. And we're like, well, we got, well, I got, I've got a lot of soap. <laughs> and so in Nombe Compound, our mission in the last, you know, two months has been to take free soap to every household in the whole entire Nombe Compound and to explain to them social distancing, hand washing, what COVID-19 is and gift them a bar of soap. And they're just, the whole community is literally just. And, and they're, think, they're aware. Yeah. And to of, think that that was possible because of a chance meeting yeah. in 2009. Yeah. Why, why don't we take a break right now? And when we come back, um, there's one more aspect I'd like to explore. And that's the, the three esters farm. Sure. Um, and then we're going to get into all your other issues. <laughs> So let, let's take a break right now. Have you gotten the second edition of the We Are So Powerful book? This updated version of the original bestseller, 4.9 out of 5 stars, by the way, is again authored by So Powerful co-founders Jason and Cinnamon Miles. It is available on Amazon in paperback or for your Kindle reader. This latest edition is packed full of moving stories about how So Powerful came to be, the volunteers who make it happen, and the way this small movement has grown into a global mission to break the cycle of poverty through education and the dignity of work. And don't forget, when you place your order, if you use smile.amazon.com and designate So Powerful as your preferred charity, Amazon will donate a portion of your purchase right back to So Powerful. And now back to our podcast. Welcome back. We've been talking with Jason and Cinnamon Miles, and we're continuing our conversation from last week where we were introduced to the work there, uh, that they needed to be, be done in Zambia that they discovered back in 2009. And uh, we, we talked about how the sewing cooperative stepped up and is making school uniforms and the 
reusable feminine hygiene pads. And then we transitioned into the soap cooperative and the important role that that's played. Um, but there, there's another important aspect, uh, which is um, food supply. And, and can you tell us how, how the Three Esters Farm is addressing that and how that came to be? Sure. Yeah. Happy to do that. Um, the, the top of mind topic for Esther and the um, principal of school who works there as well named Ite and the teachers, the top of mind topic is the children don't have food. They, they, those community members will have one meal a day. Um, and many, a good day. <laughs> and many times yeah. they don't have that meal. Um, and so food, uh, insecurity is a is a huge issue um, many of the children who are on on antiretroviral therapies because many of the children like a large percentage are HIV positive they were born uh, to HIV positive moms and uh, so they're on antiretrovirals or uh, or other medication like immuno boosters type stuff um, their number one issue is that they can't take that if they don't have food to take it with it'll upset their stomach and they won't take the the antiretroviral therapy pills. So, uh, so food is a huge, huge challenge. That's their top of mind issue frequently whenever we talk to them. And so we just always lived with that. It was kind of too yeah. big of a problem, uh, too expensive to try to feed. I think at the time when I mm -hmm. went, there was already 1400 kids in, in what, the school. Year, yeah. 2015. Yeah. Um, you know, so she's even just trying to provide one meal a day to that many kids every day of the week. What I don't know the math on that, mm -hmm. but it was a lot. Yeah. And we knew that it wasn't something we could just fund. We needed it, like with the other things, a way for it to be sustainable, mm -hmm. um, that they could generate a way to make that work there. And mm -hmm. it was kind of another one of those things where we're like, we know this needs to happen, but how do we figure this out? And then I think, you mm -hmm. know, Jason's story of of the experience at world vision. Yeah. So I, so I, when the purse program was up and running, I had a request to go to world vision to explain it because one of the program details we didn't mention is all these purses are shipped to Zambia by world vision. And, um, and it's a huge blessing. They're a distribution partner now and they receive purses in their community schools where they work, but for the first couple of years, they just shipped the purses for us. And, and it's a huge blessing. Well, they wanted to know about the menstrual hygiene management program and the purse program. And so they asked me to come in and present. And I went and uh, there were probably a dozen director level people in the room. I was like, Oh my gosh, what is happening right now? <laughs> um, but uh, I talked about the program and after the meeting, it was a great meeting after it. Um, one of them came up, his name's David and, and I knew him from working there again as well. And he had mentioned yeah. that beyond the menstrual hygiene management thing that we were talking about was that in this community, food was what we were trying mm -hmm. to figure out, but we still hadn't figured out. But yeah. that was kind of all he said. Yeah. So David walked up to me after and said, you know, Jason, I bought a piece of property right outside Lusaka, Zambia, like nine years ago or, you know, and he said, my wife and I've never used it but we bought, he explained why they bought it. And he said, you know, if Esther could ever use that, it was farmland when they purchased as a part of a, a yeah. farm. He said she could, she could use that if she wanted to, to try to have, a, a, you know, food for the children there. And so it's sort of similar where I was like, okay, <laughs> it's on. So we created what we called the three Esther's farm and the mission and purpose of the farm is to feed the children. Um, and so it produces a lot of vegetable crops, cabbage and tomatoes and maize and uh, 
you know, we've got fruit trees planted, that kind of thing, uh, poultry program. Uh, so those types of program, farm programs go to the, the mission of feeding the children as much as possible, you know? Yeah. And it seems like there was sort of some serendipity around who became the manager of the farm as well. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, you know, it sounds funny to say, but God just shows up so much. <laughs> uh, it just, there's these little instances where right person at the right time in that situation, Esther had no idea where this property was. She went and checked it out. She was standing there looking at it and a guy walks up to her from, you know, down the, down the dirt road and says, can I help you? Are you lost? Did your car break down? And uh, she said, no, this is my property. My farm. <laughs> he said, I don't think that's your property. <laughs> so so uh, he said, I know the people who own that property. That's not your property. And she said, well, she told what happened. And he was like, oh, he said, well, I'm the caretaker for the property across the road. And um, his, turn, Nick, his, his name's Nicholas. Turns out he's a wonderful person. And they ultimately, through the process of us developing the land, he moved across the street and became the caretaker, him and his wife, for the Three Esters Farm property and helped establish it and has spent, what, four years now, more than that, uh, toiling to make that a viable farm. And yeah, it's just serendipity or it's God. It's God it is, showing absolutely. Up. Yeah. Well, let's let's take a pivot, and I'm using that term because um, that's the title of one of Jason's recent podcasts. Because in his other life, he he rather than being the victim of my interviews, he, he is a podcaster uh, along with uh, his partner in crime from Great Britain, and they have uh, a, a podcast called the. E-commerce leader. E-commerce leader. Yeah. And uh, uh, so that, that's been quite interesting. But um, as I was doing a little research, I found out that uh, Jason is one of the most prolific authors on the topic of e-commerce, um, very popular instructor on the training <laughs> websites. And uh, he has um, a website that will astound you called uh, www.mrjasonmiles.com. And Jason, how many books have you written? Depends on how you classify a book. But um, <laughs> with McGraw-Hill, like traditionally published, uh, three, and then they've been reproduced around the world and, and second editions have come out. Yeah. And then I've done self-published books beyond that quite a bit. Right, right. On Instagram, YouTube, Pinterest, Craft Pricing Power, um, the e-commerce seller secret, and then nine mountains of traffic. That's, that's a, is this an ebook? What is that? Yeah. That's a new ebook I just put out. Yeah. 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 And, um, you have an interest in gardening as well. Is that true? I do. And we have a brand as well. Oh, okay. Let's just back up and we'll just uh, kind of describe. Cause I said, I worked at world vision for 16 years and then I, I worked at Northwest university for four years after that. But, um, you know, in 2007, 2008, uh, we needed money. We were, you know, struggling financially. And so, and our youngest daughter was. She was four or four. Yeah. Four yeah. just started kindergarten. So I kind of had like the four hour window, maybe, you know, in the morning where all three kids were not at home. And so it was that decision for us, like, 
you know, what, what can I do in those hours? Can I even get a job that will, you know, and not have to pay for childcare and will that benefit us Mm -hmm. enough for, you know, for us to meet the need we had, or was there something else we could do? And I think even then, like the internet was, you know, still fairly new selling on the internet, you know, eBay and there, I don't even think Facebook was a thing yet. I don't know, you know, so uh, it was a little bit different, but Jason was pretty dialed into sort of different versions of people that were selling online. And Mm -hmm. uh, as with everything has lots of ideas for (laughs) business ideas and very visionary, you know, what to do. And um, I think when I made a couple projects that I had sewn for both of our girls. They had American Girl dolls or it was one of their birthdays and they finally got an American Girl doll and and I just made up some outfits to match something we were giving her. So it was like girl matching doll and um, which led into like, I would make matching dance costumes for our daughter that did dance performances. And, um, you know, I think pretty quickly when we saw some of the reactions of some of the other parents and I realized parents didn't, my age parents didn't really know how to sew and you know mm-hmm. it's kind of just this idea that sort of just started our business of at the time called liberty jane mm-hmm. which migrated into pixie fair which is all yeah. sewing I, patterns i mean the brownie troop moms all wanted to buy the stuff she was making so then i was like why don't we just sell it on ebay and if you're going to sell on ebay why don't you set it up as an auction start it at 99 cents and see how much somebody will pay and so we did that for the first 18 months and I had always, I guess I was a longtime nonprofit marketer that was aware of e-commerce mm-hmm. emergence and aware of online selling and wanted to, uh, maybe I wanted to, like I was a closet wannabe <laughs> entrepreneur or, and, and so when I saw her skill set, I was like, oh, I think somebody would pay for this, you know? <laughs> and so we dabbled in eBay. And so I was basically her marketer for the first four and a half, five years, mm-hmm. when the evolution from eBay selling to our own website, and then ultimately from physical items to digitally downloaded sewing yeah. patterns, which is the, the business we run primarily today. So I was the marketer for that. Um, and moon, just moonlighting the, you know, evenings and weekends helping her. And then it just, it, I mean, it, over a few years, it really took off. Uh, Pinterest was an incredible help to the business which is kind of lines up with how he got that book deal and you know he was writing yeah. about pinterest and we noticed all this traffic from this website and we were like what the what, the, what is pinterest i've never even heard of yeah. this and you know anyways so. and so the, and so that i started blogging about marketing on pinterest and that's really what led to me as a as a e-commerce uh you know writer podcaster mm-hmm. speaker that kind of thing mm-hmm. yeah well it's uh it's it's amazing, and um, uh, I, I'm impressed every time I, I look at your list of accomplishments. So um, I think we're going to wrap it up for today, and thank you very much for your time. And uh, we'll be talking to each of you again in future podcasts, and I very much look forward to that. So have a nice day. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. If what you've heard today inspires you to want to make a difference, I urge you to explore the So Powerful website at www.sopowerful.org. That's S-E-W-P-O-W-E-R-F-U-L dot O-R-G. The website has great information about the organization. It's where you can download the free purse patterns or even make a donation. 
We hope you will join us again next week when we bring you another so powerful story. Thanks for listening. Now go out and have a so powerful day.